Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate hi this is ruben off his cheek i'm pat nevin i'm mason mount you're listening to the london is blue podcast all right hey chelsea fans uh before we get into this one it's going to be a little bit different so just wanted to let you guys know uh, that with the seventh season of the London Is Blue podcast, we have joined a new hosting platform ad agency friend called Blue Wire. We're thrilled to be joining them. Uh, and Dan, uh, you can kind of walk us, walk our listeners through what to expect from a changes because really it's not that big of a deal for them. It's more me and Jake on the back end. <laughs> sure. I mean, most of you might not have even noticed that the change happened just bam, overnight, maybe when the Brighton episodes disappeared for a minute. Maybe you realized it then, but they're back up now, so feel free to go back to listen to those if you haven't heard them yet or if you were looking for them. But Blue Wire to us represents an opportunity to continue to level up the content that we're doing this year in terms of guests or exclusive content. We're pretty excited about what this partnership with Blue Wire is going to allow us to do. There's also the benefit that it's a sports-centric podcasting network. So... Unlike other networks, this one is hyper-focused on bringing on quality sports podcasts from around the globe. They've got plenty of stuff with Megan Rapino and Sue Bird. They've got a special podcast there. They've got our friends at the Always Cheating Podcast or a Fantasy Premier League podcast that Brandon might need to borrow for a little bit of support. I'm fine after game week one, but he might need their help, so he'll be reaching out to them. But we're really excited about that. And then also, I think the other thing too, Brandon, is just that you know we know podcast ads are a part of the the scenario right and we just want to make sure that maybe they're a little bit more relevant or centric to our listeners and we feel like blue wire is going to offer that versus the other platform we were just on which will no longer be named yeah look i think it'll be a lot more relevant starting day one so we just want to say you're going to hear some new ads starting today uh they're going to be different it's not going to be the same two for a year um but don't worry look we own the show the show isn't changing structurally nothing's different uh, we're just on a new hosting platform. Uh, we have a new company that's helping us deliver better ads for you guys to help support our show financially, same as we were doing before. So again, we hope you enjoy it. We're very excited to partner with Blue Wire. There's a lot of future opportunities we'll get into with you guys later, but don't worry about it. Now let's get into the show. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another one of our match previews on the London is Blue podcast. Special one, obviously we have Dan. I'm here midweek, which I'm never here midweek, which is exciting. But we've got Neil Jones from Goal.com. You are the Liverpool FC correspondent. 
You were just having a casual Friday, and then in rolls Tiago. So we're excited to be able to catch this uh, as we preview the Liverpool-Chelsea match this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, you wait all summer, don't you, for some transfer business at Liverpool, and then it, uh, it all it all drops on you when you you least expect it. But yeah, exciting times. I mean, obviously, as, we, as we're talking here, Liverpool have just confirmed the signing about an hour or so earlier. Um, and what an exciting signing! And you know, you guys know all about that. Haven't you've had a few yourselves this summer, and I'm sure you've got pretty excited about them. Well, I can uh, I can tell you that Liverpool fans are, are going out for their their drinks this evening with a, a smile on their face. I'm 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 pretty certain about that. Oh well, I can understand just if we're to be in their shoes. But Thiago, we you know we don't need to get into a class player. I, as always, everyone's going to be worried about his injury concerns. But if he stays healthy, what an upgrade! Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's not easy as it to upgrade on a team that wins league titles and wins Champions Leagues. I mean, again, you guys will know all about that. You know, back in, well, you, I think you went back to back leagues and was you tried to go with with people like Shevchenko and Balak. You know, they would that was the level of sign that you guys had to make to to try and improve that team. And whether you know, it, obviously, some of them work out and some of them don't. But that that's what Liverpool have had to do. They've had to target proven world class players. Serial winners. I mean, Thiago's won nine league titles in his career. He's only 29. He's won nine league titles. He's won the Champions League with two different clubs. You know, he's won the Club World Cup with two different clubs. Now he's joining the Premier League and going to try his hand at that. So it's um, yeah, it's, it's a player with real pedigree coming into to the league, coming into the club. And the sort of player that, like you say, if he stays healthy, I think he won't just be a real good upgrade. I think he'll be a real exciting player to watch as well. You know, someone who... You, know, you look at Liverpool's midfield; they don't get a lot of credit compared to, let's say, Kevin De Bruyne, people like that. You know, for their their technical brilliance. But I think Thiago, if he can produce any of the form that he's been showing in, in Bayern Munich, certainly, you know, in his time there, I think he'll be a a, a wonderful addition to to this uh, league and to this club. Without without a doubt, um, look. Th- the pull of the power, the Premier League is important, which is why we love watching it every single weekend. Uh, but as we get into this one, we're going to take a look back at last season, discuss the changes that have occurred for, uh, you know, Liverpool, for Chelsea, obviously, as we get into it. Um, a little bit of a rivalry kind of happened last season. We got to see Liverpool maybe more than we wanted to, if I'm being honest. Um, obviously, we can. I definitely want to talk about the Frank uh, Klopp rivalry and talk it into existence because that would just be exciting for all of us. Um, but last season, Dan, run us through the different results. We played them what one, two, three, four, five times, and it was the opposite of us playing United last season. Yeah, it was quite a quite a run, right? We get a loss in the Super Cup on penalties, get 120 minutes, and then we lose on the penalty piece there. Tammy Abraham missing his, and kind of then the changes a little bit of the narrative of the start of our season. We lose uh, 2-1 at the bridge, a game that we were at. We lose, We actually end up winning in the FA Cup 2-0, but you can argue that maybe the lineup that Klopp sent out there was a little bit more favorable to Chelsea at that point in time. And then there was a end-of-the-season drubbing, a 5-3 victory for Liverpool over Chelsea. And so ultimately, they shaded us, Brandon, in most of the matches last season, which was unfortunate. Again, Champions League winners the season before, runaway title winners this season. So you always knew it was going to be tough, you know, coming up against Liverpool. So 
Um, you know, Neil, obviously Liverpool didn't need the six points that they took off us as they coasted to the Premier League title. Um, but I think we're starting to see a bit of friction, like I said, forming between Lampard and Klopp. We had, I love it, no one in the stadium, so we got to hear exactly what Lampard had to say to Klopp and in, in his response to it. Uh, how, how have you kind of seen this develop and grow? Obviously, it was Frank's first yeah. season for whatever reason. He, he seems to be much more happy to, to spar with Klopp than I think any other manager in the league. Yeah, possibly. I think I think you have to remember that Frank Lampard lived through the, the first instalment of the Liverpool-Chelsea rivalry when he was a player. So he was part of the Mourinho side that was challenged by the Benitez-Liverpool side. And really for Frank, he's now on the other side of the fence, isn't he? You know, he's the guy who's looking over and seeing the team that wins the league and is, you know, the, the one that everyone's having to catch. And maybe people are, are starting to dislike because they're being successful as in that that's Liverpool and he's the, he's the sort of pretender, you know, trying to, trying to knock them off their perch and throw stones at the crown and all that. So I think it's, it's only natural. I think that you'll get that sort of friction. I think the, it's interesting you say, I mean, the, 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 the kickoff, if you like, at, um, at Anfield back in, what was it, July, when Liverpool got the, the Premier League trophy and, that probably happens every game, doesn't it? You know, or, or most games. Obviously, it's completely amplified by the fact that there's no one else in the stadium, and you get to hear, like we say, it was a lovely insight into into what managers talk about because it's so. You can imagine that being said at a Saturday league level, couldn't you? You know, in the in the morning, <laughs> football or whatever. You know, there was nothing. There was nothing in there that was any technical or anything like that. It was just sheer, you know, animosity between between two benches. Um, I think. I think Frank Lampard's done a good job, but I think also, I think he appreciates that if he wants to instill a mentality into Chelsea that they are not just a lovely team that wins 4-3 and concedes a lot of goals and scores a lot of goals and brings some young players through and that kind of thing, he's got to impose some steel through them. And, you know, he had the best the best manager Chelsea have ever had at doing that in Jose Mourinho the first time round. And he created that mentality in Chelsea that... They don't like you. People don't like you. You don't respect them. You don't, you know, you don't bow down to Manchester United. You don't bow down to Liverpool. You don't, you know, take a backward step. That's what he's been brought up with at Chelsea. So it's no surprise. I don't think that he's he's looking to lay down a few markers there. He's got Chelsea guys with him. You know, Jody Morris, a real, real Chelsea man on, on the sideline. And, you know, someone who's, I don't think, pretty shy of, uh, of, of making his opinion felt either. Just <laughs> Pep Linders. Yeah, and Klopp's assistant is the same as well. He's quite abrasive on the on the sideline. So yeah, it's um, you know, what? I'm not at Chelsea on Sunday. I'm not at Stamford Bridge. I used I used to love going to Stamford Bridge, and one of the reasons I love it is because the press box is right behind the dugouts, mm-hmm. so you get to see them really close at hand. You really get to see them, and I think with no one in the stadium, it would have been really good to keep an eye on Lampard and Klopp on Sunday. But I'm going to have to rely on um, some of my colleagues to do that for me. I'm sure there'll be a few little flashpoints during the game and. I'll be certainly interested to see them. Obviously, we're biased. We hope Naz is there. Obviously, all of you know on our podcast, Naz from Goal, uh, your counterpart, Neil. Dan, in your eyes, you know, because we'll get to the actual people on the pitch in a little Mm -hmm. bit. But Neil's right. I mean, Lampard even talked about it in his press conference because obviously he was asked about it. You know, and I think to me, Klopp is just the one in the seat for Lampard to chat with, right? Like he is drawing back on those battles that you know we had with Liverpool. And he even he even made his his little dig, not really fighting for the league, but we had some good battles in the Champions League. <laughs> well, I mean it's 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 fun. It's the type of pageantry that only the Premier League can 
get away with. And you want these type of personalities. You want these type of clashes. You want your manager to feel the pain and anguish of a loss just as much as the players do. And so as much as it is, I think, blown up or maybe kind of blown out of proportion, I think at the end of the day, they can shake hands and have a conversation and it's not going to be ill after a match in the way that maybe uh, Mourinho uh, would let others kind of walk away and, and never have a conversation again. I, I think this one is it's just going to be one to watch over the way that this goes this season. And I think it will change depending upon the results. If, you know, we have to get a really good win against Liverpool in the league to start to cement this because right now it's still edging in Liverpool's favor pretty handily. I thought, thought sorry, just, just to put in there, Brandon and, 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 Dan, um, you said at the, the top there that Liverpool didn't need those six points off Chelsea last season to win the league, but I would argue that they really did need that win at Stamford Bridge early in the season to to really show them that that they were a, a serious team. And that you know that was I know from speaking to some of the players that was a big a big mm-hmm. stopping off point on the road to the title. I mean, they went away they they were they were hanging on at the end sort of last twenty minutes after Kante had scored and you know I think Mount had a good chance late on to equalise. You know they. They went away from that game thinking, wow, that was a big three points that, you know, even early in the season, I think Manchester United, I think Manchester City, sorry, on the Saturday had put eight past Watford on the Saturday. So Liverpool went into that game two points clear of City and they went away to Chelsea and won and they didn't look back after that. So, you know, the same applies tomorrow, doesn't it? Whoever gets the win, it, it, will, it may well be looked back on as, you know, okay, second game of the season or whatever, September, it may well be looked back on as a sizable and a significant victory. Very, very fair uh, and also very true. It always usually comes down to who took the most points off of the other top six teams, which top four apparently is dead. <laughs> it's now a top six <laughs> bubbling to top eight, depending on what teams like Wolves, Everton and Leicester pull together. But hey, we're going to we take a really... Letting Arsenal stay in that top six, are we? Are they, are they, well... are they still allowed to be <laughs> part of it? They, they definitely have to knock at least now, you know, and definitely, ask. definitely. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a real quick break. New sponsors from the new ad platform. Hope you enjoy them. We'll be right back to talk about the actual players. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. That's right, the other type of football. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, with the Red Zone channel and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channel, you never miss your favorite team or your favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use that promo code BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. So visit NFLSundayTicket.tv today and use the promo code BLUEWIRE. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means 
more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com forward slash podcast. This is their best available offer anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com forward slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. All right, so Liverpool have done a little business. Um, You know, Chelsea are kind of hanging the Timo Werner thing over them, saying, look, you didn't have enough money to buy him. He came to us. That doesn't mean Liverpool haven't done anything. Obviously, Thiago Alcantara just coming. It looks like an amazing deal financially as well. Um, Then Costantinos Tsmikas from Olympiacos. But it's kind of more about, like, the people who have left to me, Neil. Like, Klopp saying, hey... You have to be a certain standard. You have to be a certain type of player to fit in this mold. And I know he's kind of been cleaning out for a few years, but we've seen Dejan Lovren leave, Adam Lallana, Nathaniel Klein, kind of some of the bigger names we probably know about. Um, how have you kind of seen Liverpool's summer transfer window, which we know is not a summer or a real window? How has it been for them just overall? Yeah, I think it's been quieter than, well, it's quieter than Chelsea's certainly so far. Um, you know, I think it was never Liverpool aren't really, you know, they, they had the one summer really where they they, they spent quite a bit of, a bit of money. The one the one calendar year, if you like, with Van Dijk and Allison, Fabinho, Keita, um, I think Shakiri came in that, that summer. They're not really a, a splurge type type club. They haven't been for for a number of years. It's more been fine-tuning and as you say, getting rid of some of the players who maybe have outlasted their the shelf life or or have just not been of the the, the required level. Um, and I think there's still a bit of work to do in that regard. I think there's still a few bits to be trimmed off the edge of the squad, really. And you know, probably you know you've they've still got the likes of Carrius there and Harry Wilson and Gruwich and Jadon Shakiri potentially could be could be one of those now who's on the chopping block. Um, they've what they've done is they've they've signed two players in areas that they needed to sign a player. They needed the backup left back for Robertson. Um, you know, you guys will know that the. the, the the difficulties of finding and finding left backs, you know, over the, over the last few years, Liverpool touched real lucky with Robertson, you know, three years ago, and now then then suddenly the the issue became right, who's going to be his backup? And if you if you're struggling to find your first choice, then finding your backup is going to be even more difficult. They hope Simikas is that that player, you know, quite Robertson esque in the way that he plays, I believe, and you know, decent pedigree in Europe and played a number of years for Olympiacos and a couple of loan spells, so. We'll see what he brings. Thiago is obviously a grade A signing, uh, you know, someone to improve the first eleven immediately. They hope, and then I think probably the next the next port of call will be can they just get one more in as a forward option and just just provide some cover across the line, you know, one who can play two positions, maybe someone with a bit of experience in the Premier League or or of English football. Hopefully, I think that's what they'd like ideally like to do. So. I think there's probably one more to come or one more bit of business to do and a bit of trimming to go um, in terms of outgoings. I think there'll be a few, you know, I mean, there's a story today about Kiana Hoover, a young defender who's going to go out for probably around 10 or 12 million pounds. So if they can do a couple more sales of that that ilk, it will certainly enable them to, to go and buy, I would say, one more player. You know, one of the things that, you know, I mean, I'm... Couldn't believe that Timo Werner actually joined up with Chelsea. I think I've lo- and really enjoyed watching him for Leipzig, and the fact that he, we were able to get him to come to Chelsea is amazing. How how did you read or how did you sense Liverpool's reaction to Werner maybe not waiting and choosing to go to Chelsea now versus potentially what looked like 
for a very long times, like a very much like telegraph, like, you know, feet under the table, kind of Klopp and Werner's camp trying to make sure that they get something done in the future. It just seems like Chelsea really took advantage of the situation. Is that how you read it? Yeah, 100%. I think timing, Jürgen Klopp talks a lot about time and with transfers and says, you know, sometimes it's just... It isn't the right time. Sometimes it is. You know, Liverpool said for many years they wouldn't spend sort of astronomical fees on players. And the time came when, do you know what, you want a centre-back, you want Virgil van Dijk, you're going to have to pay that money. You want a goalkeeper, you want Alisson Becker, you're going to have to pay that money. Now, with Werner, it was a bit different in the sense that they did want the player. Obviously, they, they really, you know, and he would have been a perfect signing for Liverpool, clearly. You know what I'm saying there about someone who can play across two positions, who scores goals, who's got pace, who's young enough, and that he ticks all the boxes. But the difference with someone like Werner compared to Fabinho, Van Dijk, Allison, for example, Salah, Mane, previous to that, was Liverpool knew they were buying someone who was gonna have to rotate and be be part of a squad rather than being immediately mm. in the team. And then at the time when the deal was being touted the situation surrounding the finances of the football club of the, the league you know where I don't think I don't even think the league had been been finished at that point or even been restarted so I think Liverpool's decision was listen we can't we can't justify that outlay at that time for this player they hoped I think that they they would get a chance to sign him again you know whether it was in January whether it was the following summer whether it was even later in this window whether you know we could have been talking now if Chelsea had not been involved we could have been talking about team awareness to Liverpool now but Chelsea saw an opportunity and worked hard and I don't think there's any you can't have any animosity towards that you can't have any criticism of Chelsea they saw an opportunity they were able to sell the club to, to, to team awareness where like you say all the noises we heard from him was that he looked like he was you know flashing his you know his, his pants at Liverpool really wasn't he you know he, he was talking pretty publicly about playing for Liverpool he wasn't he wasn't making any secrets of the fact that he, he felt he could fit into a Klopp side, but Chelsea have been able to sell it to him. And you know, as much as as much as Liverpool fans would all have liked to have seen Werner, from a personal perspective, it's nice to see him in the league. I want to see how he gets on. I want to see the league as strong as possible. You know, I don't like seeing class players go any go elsewhere. I do like seeing class players come in. So Liverpool's loss could be Chelsea's game, but it'll be an interesting one Sunday. I'm, I'll be quite excited to see how he uh, he gets on the, the two number 11s, Salah, Salah and uh, Werner going head to head. Quite nice. Yeah, no, no, no shortage of pace in the game yeah. on Sunday for sure. Well, kind of, you know, obviously, you know, I think we've talked about Chelsea. Obviously, our our side know all about it. Um, but I, you know, I'm really interested. You know, so for the fans who missed Frank's uh, presser, it's on the fifth stand up, the official Chelsea app. No Pulisic, no Chilwell, no Silva or Ziyech. Werner is fit. Thank gosh. <laughs> um, I, I'm assuming Frank is going to line up four three three and try to go toe to toe with Liverpool. It's how we've seen us be most successful, especially just with the people he has available. I'm most interested about how we think Chelsea and Liverpool will match up on the pitch, not necessarily like tactically, but just like where are the moments uh, or the opportunities of weakness? Obviously, Liverpool uh, love to hit on the break, and it's devastating. But I think what's interesting is that last season, Chelsea were a lot more open tactically, and like you know, we were seeing gaps between the midfield and the defense. We weren't really transitioning as a unit. I tell you what, that match against Brighton, 
we sat we had less than 50% possession against them. We sat back a lot. So I'm interested to see if we're both going to sit back and counterattack, maybe who is going to try to take the possession edge and maybe control it a little bit more. Um, I guess, you know, Neil, from, from your perspective, the Leeds match was wild, to say yeah, the least, wild, for Liverpool. Yeah. You know, the 4-3 penalties. Do you, like I haven't watched at this point. Like, do you feel like Liverpool are ready and kind of humming as far as like being able to to keep obviously the attack going, but all the goals that were given up? Do you think that Chelsea are going to be able to try to get at them this early in the season? Well, it's an interesting one because Leeds Leeds are pretty unique in the way that they set up. Obviously, they go completely man for man, so they 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 press all over the pitch. So it doesn't matter if. You know, if Genie Wijnaldum, for example, wanders into the left-back position, then Leeds' holding midfielder, Calvin Phillips, was following him into the, you know, what would be for him a right-wing position. So I don't think Chelsea will be be that extreme. But you would say that if Leeds can score three goals against Liverpool, Chelsea have greater quality than Leeds. So they have the ability to score goals against Liverpool. And you would, you would, you would think that one of the big messages for Liverpool is that they have to, tighten up defensively. They have to cut out those mistakes. They made them against Chelsea, obviously, in that game, in the 5-3 game. You know, they were, I think they were 4-1 up at one stage, with really. you. They were certainly a good mm-hmm. way up, 3-0 maybe, and and ended up, you know, 4-3 going into the last five minutes of the game. So they have, they have shown that they do have a bit more of a brittle quality than what we saw at the start of last season. But, I do, the matchup. I mean, to, to talk about the matchup that I see being decisive, I think I think the the two the two fullbacks of Chelsea against against the two wide men of Liverpool. I think that's just the that's where the game is won and lost. And in particular, Alonso, if he plays at left back against against Salah, who looked well razor sharp against Leeds. I know what Alonso. You know, Alonso really isn't a left back. He's a left left wing back, isn't he? And that I think I think he did. I think he did play that system last at Anfield last year. I think they did play the three centre backs. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder whether Lampard might consider doing that just to alleviate some of that that threat uh, in the wide areas and give an extra defensive body. But then, if you do that, you are obviously then seeding ground somewhere else, whether it's in your front three or in your centre of midfield, where you know Jorginho, Kante, and Kovacic was it against against Brighton? Uh, that's it's pretty strong. It's pretty you know pretty impressive um, in terms of its quality. So I think. If you were asking me where I think that game would be won and lost, I would say whoever won that battle, Chelsea's left side against Liverpool's right, I think would be the one. Because you've got Alexander-Arnold, obviously, and, and Salah up against whoever, and Alonso, whether it's you know Mount or Havertz or whoever, whoever plays out there. I think that will be the decisive battle. Well, it'd be interesting because this past match, we got the Lampety versus Reese James comparisons because, of course, we're talking about right backs who are eligible for the English national team. And now we're going to get that same conversation, I'm sure, across this match between Reese James and Trent Alexander-Arnold. You know, I think what might be interesting, and I don't know how you're feeling about this, Brandon, is I could also see a scenario where if we do play that back four, you get Reese James on the right. Obviously, he is going to be able to kind of keep up with the pace of Alexander-Arnold in a way that maybe like Azpilicueta can at this moment. But maybe you put Azpilicueta on the left, who is a much better one-on-one defender than someone like Alonso. He's played left back in some of our best seasons ever for Chelsea. I could see that as the way if we do want to go one-on-one on the wings— and potentially try to dominate the midfield where I think that, you know, 
if we were playing a side that had Tiago in it, I would be a little bit more concerned. But I think the midfield is actually the one area where we might be able to slice through a little bit and kind of make some of those quick transitions happen, especially if Havertz can level up just a little bit because some of what we started to see in the last match with his passing and his ability to move the ball forward for Werner looked really, really exciting. Obviously, Liverpool a lot more settled than Chelsea. We have a lot more Mm -hmm. changes. We have less players available. So I think I always give that the edge. But Chelsea tend to show up for the big matches of the season. We could be struggling, you know, getting pummeled by Southampton, then come back, you know, and beat Man City. Like, that's Chelsea in a nutshell in, in recent seasons. So um, I that's what I at least can take hope from. But I think it's really interesting. I mean, if you want to talk about a, a starting lineup, I still have no idea. You know, based on the, the pieces that Frank has available to him, like, I don't know. I just saw a great video of Jorginho and Emerson doing a boxing workout. Not sure that helps Emerson get in contention for a left back spot. Um, <laughs> but it's just like, who do, who do you go to in these types of situations? It's early. There's a lot to lose. Is Frank going to be conservative or if he's just going to go for the jugular? It, to me, honestly, it's just wild to think of like where he's going to go. Who do you think starts in goal? Do you think Kepa will get the, get the nod in goal? I do, just yeah. because he started the first one. I yeah. think that Frank's going to give him give him the the role until he loses it again, like we saw last season. Has he not lost it yet? No, I mean, it, it, do you think he should have he could have done better with the the goal, the Brighton goal? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, he came out for a cross, like he missed yeah. it, he flapped at it, but like Willie's not great with crosses either. It we're Brandon, a really Brandon, tough doing- situation. Doing like, a base minimum expectation of a job is not something that should be credit worthy. It's to be it's fair. Not, Coming out to claim a cross, like I get it, right? You know, it was not something he did last season. But I think to to the point that Neil's making, my preferred lineup would have Willie and Goal. I do believe, though, that if we're thinking about how do you potentially move away from Kep in the future, how do you hope to potentially give him some confidence? I could see a scenario where man manager Frank Lampard is not going to try to erode his entire confidence before a new goalkeeper comes in and potentially lets him play in yeah. the sticks. Yeah, he also he did make probably the best save I saw from a visiting goalkeeper or an opposing goalkeeper against Liverpool last season. I think it was um in the Super Cup in, in Turkey. He made just this incredible save from I think it was Mane tipped it onto the onto the crossbar. So maybe he saves his best for Liverpool. We can hope. I mean, I like the other thing you think of is Liverpool potentially get in behind, right? He's way more like um athletic than Willie like he can come off his line he we may not know where the ball is going once it gets to his foot but at least like he's there to be in a better position like Willie's gonna sit on his line like that's just what he does he's 38 like that's what he expects um so I and interesting as we kind of wrap this one up Neil's like who do you think the Liverpool player that's most dangerous that Chelsea should be worried about absolutely obviously Mo Salah has the vengeance card that he's always got in his back pocket when he comes to Chelsea fair play to him like I get why but if you know obviously you talked about the wingbacks who do you think like the number one threat for Liverpool is going in against Chelsea yeah well it is Salah you know he he was the one who was head and shoulders above everyone Mm -hmm. else last week you know scored a hat-trick I know two of them were penalties but he was brilliant like and I'm I say this as someone who Watches Salah a lot and defends Salah a lot against accusations that he's wasteful or that he do, you know he doesn't do enough in in the course of ninety minutes. He was 
from the word go against against Leeds, I know okay against Leeds, newly promoted team, and you know not a not a household name that they were playing. He was playing against in terms of a left back, but he was he was right on it. And you know if he can be half as good as he was last week, then he's got a chance of really influencing a game, even against a team like Chelsea. I think. Liverpool would ask for more from Alexander Arnold supporting them as well, and I think he, you know, he's had success. He scored, he scored home and away against Chelsea last year with with direct free kicks. I think if he was to, if he was to, you know, up his game as well, then I think that right side for Chelsea would be a real, real problem and one that they'd uh, they'd have to lock down somehow if they were gonna gonna solve it. But yeah, watch out for Salah. I'm I'm sure you know. Sadio Mane will will have something to say about that in the, in the sense that you know he's he's not had the attention this week, but Salah Salah from last week was the for me it was the best performance I saw of the whole weekend from it from any any team in the Premier any player sorry in the Premier League. One one thing just so with Alexander Arnold, it seemed like he was a little kind of uh, you know maybe slower in kind of building back. He's coming back from an injury, correct? Yeah, he did. Okay. He missed a bit of preseason. Yeah, um, didn't go on the they, they went on a preseason training camp to Austria. Um, he didn't. He didn't go. I think he he missed the Community Shield as well against Arsenal and returned for England in the internationals. So yeah, he's getting back up to speed. But you know, if for him, it could it could literally be the same as last year, where it doesn't really matter how he plays as long as his delivery is is spot on. And nine times out of ten, with Trent, it, it is. <laughs> yeah, he's he's phenomenal with that. Um, so. Okay, Dan. On the flip side, do would you agree, Salah? Do you have someone else that you're you're more worried about? No, Salah is the one I'm concerned about. What I about think Milner? They... Give him some respect. <laughs> no, uh, Hendo. No, um, it has to be Salah. I mean, he was he was in my fantasy Premier League, so that was you're a great uh, that was a great boon last week. Uh, it was not one of the twenty thousand plus people who triple captained him, which is just an absolute stupid stroke of luck. But yeah, it has to be Salah. There's no other danger man right now that you're going to point to in the Liverpool side and say they're as dangerous. I think Mane is the sneaky one because I think Salah actually, um, Mane has a little bit of a better away form sometimes than Salah does. And so that that would be the one where you might be centered in on Salah, but sometimes if you focus on one thing, someone else on this amazing team is going to pop up and get their goal. And I think Mane, Neil, would be the other one who, you know, there's not we're not talking about him a lot, but he knows when to pop up in big moments too. Yeah, absolutely. And Salah, I mean, I don't think Salah scored at Stamford Bridge, I don't think, since he left Chelsea. Um, I think he scored, the only goal he scored there as an opponent was with Basel, I think, uh, a long while ago. The so irony maybe, we have yeah, not forgotten. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe, um, maybe he's due one, maybe not. You know, but like you said, you're right, Dan, you know, Mane's away record is, Salah's home record is phenomenal. Mane's away record is phenomenal. It's just the way they are. They're, they're two um, pretty special players. Well, on the flip side, look, I think Timo Werner is going to be looking to justify his decision. You can say he talked about it post-match like, oh, we see you have ice on your knee. Every player has. Anyways, they're like, he's like, I'm I'm good. Every like you show up, you play football for these types of matches, you know, at, at Liverpool, at Stanford Bridge. So there is also this bit of a, a swell for Chelsea, right? It's the a home opener at Stanford Bridge as well. And not only is a home opener, it's a big, big match. So um, hopefully getting to stay at the the hotel just outside Sanford Bridge uh, gives them a little bit of comforts at home. You've got the home dressing room, a little bit different. 
it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting. I'm I, I am genuinely excited for this matchup, and I think that a lot of neutrals would be looking to this one as well, just because of the styles, the managers. Uh, you've got the Timo Werner line, the Mosala line. I know the flip side. I'm excited. So you know, it's only the second. It's only game week two, Neil. But this is this is a big one, and I think obviously you know you guys are gonna be excited to to see what comes out of it. I think everyone's gonna win no matter what happens this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. The only the only sad part is that there'll be no fans inside the stadium. You know, I thought that last week with the Leeds the Leeds game. You know, you, you watch that game and it, as you say, it was madcap, wasn't it? You know, end to end, and you thought, wow, how good would it have been with a, a, a rampant Anfield atmosphere? I'll feel the same, I'm sure. You know, half four on on Sunday when when kickoff comes, and you know, you, you're hearing the. You're hearing the songs at Stamford Bridge, but you're not you're not getting to hear the the roar that accompanies the, the first blast of the whistle and all that. So, just a shame, but yeah, not a bad not a bad Sunday to get your teeth into. I don't think. All right. Well, final one score prediction so we can embarrass ourselves come come Sunday afternoon. Uh Dan, I would like to point out that I have wrote two two draw first, just like last week when you copied my three one victory, <laughs> which is right. You have decided to. Ride my coattails with a 2-2 draw as well. Any way you can defend yourself? Well, I actually uh, jumped on a U.S.-based Liverpool podcast to preview this match, and that dropped earlier today. Okay. And it does have my 2-2 prediction in there as well. So, uh, unfortunate for you. (laughs) Whatever. All right, moving on. Nick has phoned in his prediction. It's a 1-2 loss, which, to be fair, is very Nick Verlaney, if if you know him. Uh, Neil is the kind of uh, neutral, objective journalist in, in your stance. What are you thinking? So you know what? I think I think it's one of those two. Personally, I think it's either two two or two one to Liverpool. That's that's how I I would view it. I would edge towards Liverpool winning it. Maybe mm-hmm. just a little little sort of boost with Thiago having signed and just a little mood mood lift. Maybe you know you might see some of those midfielders who are under pressure now really. Really puff their chest out and say, "You're not really going to leave me out for this guy." So I would, I would go Liverpool just to sneak it, maybe two one, like they did last season. I think it will be. I, I, I think both teams will score one hundred percent. I can't see, it, I can't see a clean sheet for either side in this game. So it is, it is a question of that. And you know, I do, I think if Liverpool do get the first goal, I think they'll fancy the chances of hanging on and getting the win. If Chelsea get it, then you know. We'll we'll see how the uh, how the Reds respond. The one thing they didn't have last week were they weren't behind at any point in the game. So see how they respond if they, if they are on Sunday. But I'm gonna I'm gonna give Liverpool a nod two one. Awesome. Well, hey, really appreciate it, Neil having you on. You've been fantastic. We're definitely you're gonna want to kind of come back to you as the season goes on for all things Liverpool. But again, Chelsea fans, go follow Neil. Link in the description in the podcast. Um, again, part of the Goal Network. We love Naz co-workers does a great job covering liverpool dan thank you for jumping in midday uh don't tell our bosses neil we would appreciate that (laughs) chelsea fans you're the best uh big match this sunday let us know predictions and lineups on social media all those graphics will go out but until next time chelsea fans you know what to do keep the blue flag flying high